Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. Today's poem is by Gerard Manley Hopkins, an English poet and Jesuit priest who lived from 1844 to 1889. His birthday was July 28th, so this is his birthday month. So I thought I'd go ahead and share a poem with you by him. And the poem that I'm going to read today is one of his most famous poems. It's called As Kingfishers Catch Fire. The reason I wanted to read it is because I was able to edit an anthology of poems that is now out. It's called 30 Poems to Memorize Before It's Too Late. Kind of a, you know, tongue-in-cheek title of sorts. Uh, But it's full of great poems uh, that are worth memorizing. They're chosen specifically because they're memorizable. And then also it includes essays that help, you know, explore what those poems are doing. And one of the poems that we included is this poem, As Kingfishers Catch Fire, and it's accompanied by an essay by poet Morris Manning. So I want to share some of his thoughts, a brief snippet of his thoughts from his essay in this book after I read the poem. So first, here is the poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins. As kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim and roundy wells, stones ring. Like each tucked string tells, each hung bell's bow swung, finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same, deals out that being indoors each one dwells. Selves goes itself, myself it speaks and spells, crying, what I do is me, for that I came. I say more, the man justices, keeps grace, that keeps all his goings graces, acts in God's eye what in God's eye he is. Christ, for Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his to the Father through the features of men's faces. Hopkins is one of the most important poets of uh, the last several centuries and uh, very influential. He invented what he referred to as a sprung rhythm, uh, and this is a rhythm that was uh, consumed with accents and not syllables. So, as we say in the 30 Poems book, Hopkins hoped to create verse that approximated the musicality of human speech. He wrote that he used sprung rhythm, quote, because it is the nearest to the rhythm of prose, that is the native and natural rhythm of speech, the least forced, the most rhetorical and emphatic of all possible rhythms, end quote. So in the 30 Poems book, we we talk about this a little bit, or you can head over to Edward Hirsch's book, A Poet's Glossary, and you can learn about it there. It's a great resource. But in his essay on this poem, Morris Manning writes this, and again, this is from our collection, 30 Poems to Memorize Before It's Too Late, which is available now on Amazon or on circeinstitute.com slash 30 poems. But Morris Manning writes this. This poem is about the world and the terms upon which the human is invited to apprehend it. Here we have, apparently, a common necessity in Hopkins' time, commonly valued by individuals and communities. By imagining the sound of a stone tumbling down it, Hopkins turns the well into a musical instrument like an organ pipe or a flute. The tolling and telling from the well is followed by ringing bells as they send their sound over the countryside. Such images, separated from their painterly effects, make me think in more literal terms of what happens when space houses sound. That is a basic definition of music, of course. And somewhere above this scene, we can imagine a kingfisher chittering as it flies and a dragonfly bobbing in the air. Yet for all the physical detail presented, the poem's perceptions are of the ethereal. Hopkins must have known something about acoustics and vibration and resonance. 
Certainly these properties of sound are embodied features of the poem, through the imagery and language and through the poem's main assertion. This mastery of sound, heard in language but tuned to the sounds heard in the world, is a key attribute of many of Hopkins' poems. As Kingfisher's Catch Fire is a poem that needs to be read aloud, hearing it is more vital than reading it. I confess reading it is a challenge. Yes, Hopkins observes detail, but in the detail he glimpses a whole that cannot be reduced, and therefore what the poem is saying is multi-layered. Continuing on, many poems infer or even enact some form of reconciliation. A division is repaired. As Emerson says in his essay from 1844, The Poet, the poet reattaches things to nature and the whole. In this poem, however, Hopkins needs not bother with reattaching because he recognizes the fundamental attachment that exists already, a fundamental attachment that, according to Hopkins, defines us. This gets to his concept of what he calls elsewhere inscape, the inward beingness of nature and the inward beingness of the elements of nature, from the weather to kingfishers and dragonflies, from what can be seen to what can be heard, is the source of Hopkins' aesthetics. His vision associates the sacred with the natural, to declare that beauty, when properly perceived, is holy because it is true. This is a poem about nature and language, and is an effort to see the world as it is, and our effort to articulate it. By doing so, we understand our place. Hopkins writes as if reading the world requires knowledge of a special language, suggesting that the world is unreadable, yet revelatory, and thus the language of poetry must be heightened, infused, and conjoined. This is what we get from this wild Italian sonnet. Manning goes on to explore the poem a little bit in a little bit more detail, but I did want to share a little bit of his essay with you. Once more, here is As Kingfishers Catch Fire by Gerard Manley Hopkins. As kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim and roundy wells, stones ring. Like each tucked string tells, each hung bell's bow swung finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same, deals out that being indoors each one dwells, selves, goes itself. Myself it speaks and spells, crying, what I do is me, for that I came. I say more, the man justices, keeps grace that keeps all his goings graces. Acts in God's eye what in God's eye he is. Christ, for Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.